Well, hey, we are going to continue in the Gospel of John uh, today as we've been going through that all year long. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 13, that's where we're going to be. Like Donnie said, this is a multi-generational service, uh, and we are a multi-generational church. Uh, we do these services about four times a year. Um, we try and pull everyone together. So again, uh, if you're new with us, normally we have children's ministry happening in our children's wing Today, we've brought all the kids in here, uh, and like he said, our service is in three parts. We've got worship, we have the Word, and in Acts 2, a big scripture for us, it talks about that the early church broke bread in one, another home, in one another's homes. We're in Texas, so we're not going to break bread, we're going to break Bluebell. So we're going to break Bluebell after uh, we're in here, third part of the service in the lobby, and my encouragement to you is to enjoy yourself to open our hearts to God's word. I believe God wants to speak to us today. And then after our time in the word, to connect with someone that's new that you may not know and an old friend and build those relationships. I wanna thank Macy. Uh, Macy, or I don't know if you are in here. Uh, Macy, are you in here? There we go. Macy is our children's pastor and she is the director of fun at our church. So whenever we're talking about something, as we're talking about this Sunday, we're talking about, okay, so let's be intentional. How can we bring the church together? She was the one that said, ice cream Sundays for your Sunday. She's done a lot of legwork. So if you enjoy Sundays on Sunday, thank Macy. Uh, and Macy is always uh, bringing fun to our community. And we love that and appreciate that about you. John chapter 13 is where we're gonna be. The title of today's message is Jesus is Betrayed. You guys know we've been going through the Gospel of John all year long. We are on John 13, and we're going to transition from the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet where we've been, and here we're going to learn that Jesus experiences betrayal from those who are closest to him. Now, I want you to think about whether you are young or a more seasoned saint in our midst if you have ever been betrayed by someone. I was thinking back to my third grade year, uh, there was a new girl at our school that I was quite fond of. I had the first crush that I can remember on this girl. I still remember her name to this day. I will not tell you that, uh, but, I, but I do remember her name. And I had a crush on her, and it was the beginning of the school year, and I was noticing this girl and just those feelings of what a crush feels like. Um, and <clears throat> I had a friend who was a good friend. We had spent a lot of time together. We had hung out. I'd been to his house. He had been to mine. We, we, you know, and so I decided, man, I've got this crush. I think I should tell someone about it. So I told my buddy, I said, hey, don't tell anyone, right? Y'all know where this is going. Uh, don't tell anyone, but I like so-and-so. I have a crush on this girl, but he's my friend, so I'm sure my secret is safe with him. Well, a little time goes by, and I come to school on my birthday, October the 10th, third grade year. I'm, that's, this is a good bit of time ago, uh, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. And if you have been betrayed over a crush as a child, you know what's coming, and you know what I felt like. Well, somehow now, not just my buddy knows that I have a crush on this girl, but somehow word has gotten out to everyone in my grade. And I went to a small private school, and yet somehow on that day, it felt like everyone in the whole city knew my business. And I remember just those feelings of embarrassment, 
like, oh no, how did this secret get out? And somehow I put it together that my friend, who was the only person I had told about this, that he had spilled the beans. Now, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was, man, I can't wait to get Zach, or if it was, I wasn't thinking and I just said something and you know how word spreads. But I remember those feelings of, I have been betrayed by my friend, the person I thought I could trust. And it ruined that birthday for me. It was an embarrassing day that I have not forgotten and probably should go to counseling over. (laughs) Anyway, I ran into that guy. Uh, He lives here in Dallas. I ran into him a few years ago and I was like, man, I feel more whole in my heart because it didn't come up right away, but I definitely remembered. I'm not telling you my, my secrets, man. Um, anyway, it's lighthearted story, but probably all of us, when we think about it from lighthearted deal in in third grade to major events in life, we all have some experience with being betrayed, right? The thing about betrayal that's challenging is it doesn't come in expected ways, right? For something to be betrayal, it's like someone you trusted with something, part of your inner circle, someone that you care about and you felt like you were friends with or you were committed to or they were committed to you and then they did something that deeply, deeply hurt you, that changed your relationship, that changed, wait, I thought we were friends, right? Betrayal is like that. We can go through trials. I would would put forth, I bet we would all agree that betrayal is one of the most difficult experiences that humans can have because it comes from close relationships. It comes from people that you're open in life with, that you're counting on, that you trust, and they do something that hurts you. As we read this story, we read that Jesus himself knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. So we're gonna be there, John chapter 13, starting in verse 21. After Jesus had said this, remember they're having the last supper, he's washed the disciples' feet, He's telling them how much he serves them and loves them. And it says, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. (coughs) And he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Now, we know the story. We kind of know how this plays out. But imagine you're one of the disciples there. In this moment, in the upper room, having this supper with Jesus, and he turns and he says, one of you is going to betray me. If we can put up the famous painting of Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper. No, this didn't originate with a Dan Brown conspiracy. Uh, You probably have seen this, but what's going on in the painting is, of course, familiar. It's The Last Supper. What you may not be familiar with, though, is that this is da Vinci's moment Right after Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, and now everyone is looking around and talking about what Jesus has said. He wanted to capture, Da Vinci wanted to capture the emotion of that moment, the surprise of that moment. As the different gospels recount this story, when Jesus says this, some of them focus on the disciples looking inward, like, oh no, am I who Jesus is talking about? And others of the gospels focus on the disciples looking at everyone else being like, oh, I'm sure I know who Jesus is talking about. But just imagine if you put yourself in that moment, in that room as Jesus says this. 
Verse 22, his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. Who is he talking about? So one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we believe is John, who wrote uh, the gospel of John, he was reclining next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and he said, hey, John, ask him, ask Jesus who he's talking about. Which one of us is he talking is going to betray him? So John, leaning back against Jesus, asked him, Lord, who is it? Who are you talking about? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave the bread to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Simon, or Satan entered into him. As we go on, so Jesus told him, he said, Judas, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the table, no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to Judas. Since Judas was in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival, the Passover festival, or maybe he was saying to give something to the poor. Verse 30, as soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. Verse 33, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 34, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter's asked, Lord, why can't I just follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered him, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, as we encounter Jesus in this story, we're going to encounter him in four very important ways for us today. Uh, one, we are going to encounter Jesus and find in him a savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed. Here we see Jesus is betrayed by Judas. Judas leaves and goes and sells Jesus out. He is the betrayer. But in another way, Jesus is betrayed by all of his disciples as the follow-up dialogue with Peter highlights. That Judas, of course, is going to sell Jesus out, but all of his disciples are going to leave him in his time of need. Peter is going to end up denying Jesus by the morning. He will have denied him Three times, everyone sitting around the meal with Jesus would in some way have betrayed him, have denied him, not stood with him in that moment of need. And as we read and reflect on this story, what we see is that our Savior knows what it's like to be betrayed. 
I share that this morning because sometimes we can think of Jesus as being high, holy, far away, unfeeling, unmoved, just sitting in the heavens, kind of ruling over things. But what scripture shows us is that Jesus has been through the very things that we as humans have been through. That for everyone in here, if you have been betrayed by someone, by someone near and dear, someone that you believed in, think about Jesus with these guys. He would have chosen them. He would have said, come and follow me. He would have spent three and a half years side by side, pouring his life into them, believing in them, encouraging them, teaching them, training them, thinking, I am entrusting my mission. I'm entrusting the church to them. There's no one he could have made himself more vulnerable to. And I wonder if in these moments he's praying, okay, Father, I, I know we have a plan. I know this is what's supposed to happen, but, but, but really, they're going to betray me? And you can feel Jesus' emotions here. You can feel what he's going through. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed. And for everyone here in the congregation, what I want you to know is that if you have been through betrayal, what you have in Jesus is a savior who knows what it's like. He knows what we have been through. He knows what you have been through. And because he knows what we have been through, scripture tells us that he is able to give us mercy and compassion, grace for us that we find in him a place of understanding. As we encounter Jesus in this story, we encounter a savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed. Secondly, we encounter a savior whom we have betrayed. And this is so important that it's not just Judas. We can look and see Judas and be like, oh, of course, Judas is the betrayer. Like he does really bad things. And maybe some of us feel like, well, that's kind of what we're like. Maybe you feel like you are a Judas. I remember sharing the gospel uh, with a friend, with this girl that we had met a number of years ago. And as we're sharing, she gets very agitated. And she says, no, I am like Judas. I have sold Jesus out. She was deeply emotional. And maybe for some of us, we look at our lives and we're like, I can relate with Judas. I know what that means. But I, I find for many of us, right, we might not be like, well, I don't know that I did that thing to Jesus. But all of the disciples in this story, in the end, betray Jesus. Every single one of them leaves him in his time of need. And just as much as we encounter a savior, who knows what it's like to be betrayed. These stories are here for us, recounting the very real experiences of his followers that later in the scripture it articulates it's not just Peter, it's not just John, it's not just Judas who betrayed Jesus, but scripture tells us that we all, all of humanity, have gone our own way, have gone astray, have turned from Jesus, turned from his plan, turned from his ways, whether the opening story of Scripture with Adam and Eve turning from God and going their own way, all throughout the pages of Scripture, throughout the pages of human history, throughout the pages of each one of our stories, we all, at times and in ways, betray Jesus. Maybe it's at school and you're with your friends and we don't do the things that Jesus tells us that we should do. We're not loving 
We're not honoring. Maybe we cheat on a test. Maybe we uh, make fun of a friend. Maybe we bully someone. Maybe we steal. Maybe we lie. Maybe you get a little bit older and you don't handle relationships the right way. Or at work, you don't honor your employers uh, the right way. You don't work with integrity in the workplace. Or you're in relationships like a marriage or a family and we choose our own way instead of the Jesus way. And in that moment, we betray him. We leave him to go our own way. Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's amazing about this is point three. I don't think it's a shock to any of us that we realize that we have fallen short, that we, like Peter, we, like Judas, have betrayed Jesus at some point in our life and the things we've chosen and the ways that we have lived. But what I love about this, what I love about this story is that Jesus loves his disciples anyway. Chapter 13 opens with Jesus loves his disciples to the end. And here we see Jesus, two disciples who betray him, who turn from him, who take what he's given them and take advantage of it and twist it and turn it and go their own way, that Jesus loves them to the end, that he still washes their feet, that he still says, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood poured out for you, that he still goes to the cross for them. Scripture tells us that while we were enemies with God, while we were betraying him, God was loving us. That Jesus was loving these disciples even when they betrayed him. And Jesus loves us even when we betray him. Jesus doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Jesus doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Jesus loves us because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us. And that's what the love of God is like. So as we find in this story a savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed, Jesus, you understand me. And we find a savior whom we have betrayed that all of us can look at areas of our lives where we're saying, Jesus, I am not being faithful to you. What the disciples gathered around Jesus found there and what the church has found throughout the generations, what scripture testifies and what we have experienced and is available to us as a church is that Jesus loves us anyway. And here we encounter the wideness of God's mercy and love that though his disciples betrayed him, he did not betray them. That he went to the cross on their behalf and on our behalf. And we know the story ends with Judas, that Judas dies. He never comes back around. He just goes his own way all the way to the end. But what's hinted on here and we see unfold later in the Gospels is that Peter, who also denies Jesus, that Peter, in the end, receives Jesus' love and forgiveness, his faithfulness, and Peter is restored. That's how the Gospel of John ends. We're not to that scene yet, but that's what we're heading into. And what I think is amazing is that though Peter is unfaithful to Jesus in this moment, as he experiences the weight of his own sin, 
and the wideness of Jesus' mercy and forgiveness in his life as he experiences Christ's faithfulness to him even when Peter is unfaithful is that by the end of Peter's life, Peter himself is crucified. Peter himself in the hour of temptation doesn't fall, but he stands. In the hour of where the rubber meets the road, Peter stays faithful to Jesus all the way to the end and gives his life for his faith, for following Jesus. That in the end, he is faithful. And I love this, that in this story, we encounter a savior whose faithfulness, Jesus' faithfulness, that Peter received, even when Peter was unfaithful, that that grace and mercy and love transforms Peter so that by the end of Peter's life, Peter himself is found faithful. That it changes him from the inside out. So as we come together as a church today and we hear the word of the Lord As we read this story, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of us. Then the places that you know and you have been betrayed, I believe the Lord would say, I know and I understand. I know what it's like and I weep with you for the places you've been betrayed. For the places where we realize that we have betrayed Jesus and even places where we don't, I believe the Holy Spirit today wants to give conviction And help us to see that we are all in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Third thing that the Holy Spirit wants to highlight and speak to us to encourage us with, young and old, is that he loves us anyway. That his love is unchanging, it's unending, it's wide, and it is pursuing you and pursuing me Today, it was there. It's why Jesus went to the cross and Jesus still loves you, even for you and me who have been unfaithful and even for us who have betrayed him, even Judas and Peter, God's love is available to them. And if we will receive that love, if we'll receive that forgiveness, if we'll receive that grace that Peter needed and that Judas needed but was unwilling to receive, if we'll receive it, Christ's faithfulness will change us And his faithfulness will make us faithful to walk with him. And that will be the dominant story of our lives is Christ's faithfulness to us and how that changes us to be a faithful people that love him and love our neighbors to the end. So I want to end on that high note or end the scripture portion on that high note. I want to invite you to stand and I want to pray over us. And then we're going to transition to the third part of our service. But I believe that the Holy Spirit, young and old, that he wants to speak and encourage, convict and comfort today. So if you'd bow your heads with me. Jesus, we thank you that in you we have a Savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed. That There's no experience that we have been through, Lord, that you don't know what it's like that you can't relate to. Thank you, Lord, that in you, that we also find a Savior whom we've betrayed. Every place where we have been like Judas, every place where we've been a Peter, where we've turned and gone our own way, done our own thing, left you, big or little, Lord, 
I pray that you would convict us and you would help us to see those things. Because as we see those things, what we find, Lord, is you don't rub our faces in the dirt. You don't walk away. You don't say, well, I'm done with you, but that you love us anyway. That you loved your disciples to the end. You've loved humanity to the end. You've loved each one of us to the end. Even when we betray you, even when we're unfaithful to you, you remain faithful to us. And I pray that you would take that and massage that down deep in our souls. The depth and the width and the height and the breadth of your love to us, Lord. That's not based on our faithfulness, Lord, but that you love us because you love us because you love us because you love us. And you demonstrated that to your disciples. You went to the cross. You rose again. And that love extends to us gathered here 2,000 years later. And God, I thank you for the transformational power of your faithfulness that as we receive your forgiveness, as we receive your love, as we receive your grace in the place of our sin, Lord, because you are faithful, Lord, your faithfulness transforms us and changes us just like it did Peter to empower him to become faithful, to empower him to become a friend that stands with you in the midst of trials. And your transforming power changes lives here in our day. It changes us to be faithful people, faithful to you at school, faithful to you with our friends, faithful to you in our relationships, faithful to you in work, faithful to you in our marriages, that your faithfulness makes us faithful, Lord. And I pray for all of my brothers and sisters here today, young and old, that your faithfulness would strengthen us today, that we might live faithful lives that reflect your love. Thank you for being this kind of Savior. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. So having worshiped uh, the Lord, having heard from the word, we are going to take time to uh, enjoy one another on this holiday weekend and enjoy some ice cream. Maybe it's Bluebell, maybe it's a different brand, I'm not sure, but it will be in the lobby. So if you wanna make your way there, uh, feel free to hang out, enjoy, meet some people, and let's be the church together.